King Mosiah was feeling overwhelmed. As king, he was in charge of all the political decisions in Zarahemla, but he was also the leader of the church. He was in charge of all religious decisions as well. As far back as Mosiah could count, that was the way things were. All the kings were duly responsible for the church and for the government. Mosiah was both respected as king over the Nephite people and as high priest over the church. In fact, he was considered to be the Lord's prophet. But times were changing. The church was in disarray. Many refused to get baptized. Why, even Mosiah's four sons were rebelling and leading the people down sinful paths. It was time to make a change. This is Between the Lines of the Book of Mormon, and we're your hosts. I'm Jay Harris. And I'm Andrew Harris. And welcome today as we talk about the interesting events that took place in the land of Zarahemla. You know, Andrew, this was really an interesting period because so many changes all of a sudden took place. Mm -hmm. King Mosiah had been king over the land of Zarahemla, and things had been pretty much the same for quite a long time. And then what happened all of a sudden? Well, all these people started showing up. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You know, it's funny because you think about the Book of Mormon as mainly being a story of the Nephites and the Lamanites, but there were a lot of different groups within, probably within the Lamanites too, but we don't hear as much about that. But we know there's a lot of these different groups that kind of broke off and came back together among the Nephites. There was the people of Zenith that had left, and now we're coming back as the people of Limhi. And then, 80 years or some 80 years later. Yeah, 80 years afterwards. That's And that a lot of happens in 80 years. <laughs> and Alma had broken off from Noah and his group. And so he probably didn't know much about Limhi. They were quite a ways apart. He didn't know what had happened in that space of time that he had left. And then they all came back together to Mosiah and his group. And they had joined with the people of Zarahemla. So there was all these different groups all together in one. And I seven. suspect it was over a period probably of years that... Limhi came with his people, and this huge influx of population happened to the city of Zarahemla. And then Alma showed up with all of his people, and again, more people came in. Yeah. Mosiah had a difficult task of, he's the king, and all these different people are joining together, and I think he wanted to kind of unify him. So it seems like he decided, let's have a little conference here where we have all the people gathered. It says he read to the people, but he also had caused to be read. So I think there were so many people that they couldn't all hear his voice, but they all got together and they read the stories of all these different groups. And I think that helped to at least explain where these people were coming from. And he wanted to unify them again. Mm -hmm. As he called this conference, the people of Zarahemla gathered together to hear the story and the history of what had taken place with the people of Zenith and Noah and Limhi and Alma. But when they gathered together, they didn't gather together in one huge body. They gathered together in two bodies. What were the two bodies? Well, there's the Nephites and yep. then the people of Zarahemla, the Mulekites is what we sometimes The people of Mulek, that's right. So they gathered together. Here they'd been 80 years combined. They'd all called themselves Nephites. But when it was time to hold a conference, the people of Mulek gathered in one group. The people of Nephi gathered in another group. It's kind of like when you have a, a big family reunion. People tend to kind of stick to their little 
immediate families and or closer relatives. <laughs> and there were actually four bodies. You had the people of Mulek, you had the Nephites who remained in Zarahemla, you had the Nephites who came from the land of Nephi, and you had the people who had gathered in the land of Helam with Alma and his group. So there was quite an array of people who gathered at this conference. After that conference, and after they had kind of started to get to know each other a little bit, they heard about Alma and how he had baptized all these people there, and they wanted to get baptized. And so, well, that, That's right, because the people of Limhi hadn't been baptized. They didn't know anything about this. And all of a sudden, they discovered that Alma had baptized all of his people. They said, we want to get baptized. Yeah. Apparently, the people of Zarahemla and the people of Mosiah. At the time of King Benjamin, all those people had been baptized. They were all members of the church, except for the very young children of that time who had now grown up outside of the church. Yeah, and they, it turns out, had some issues. They saw the hypocrisy in the church, and they didn't want anything to do with that. They didn't want to get baptized into a church where they saw so much wickedness and so much sin going on. And King Messiah's own children were (laughs) some of those people, and it turns out Alma's son kind of joined with them, and a lot of these kids really seem to have a problem with church and with some of the older generations. I think that's true. So they started bringing all these complaints to King Mosiah and to Alma. Yeah, this is where I think Mosiah became overwhelmed because there were all of these people complaining. Mosiah had to take care of all the responsibilities in the government. Now all of these people in the church were bringing complaints. They were, I think there was a lot of backbiting and a lot of gossiping that was going on, criticizing their neighbors. Yeah. And so at that point, Mosiah decided hey, I don't want to do this anymore. I'll take care of my responsibilities as king, but let's pick someone new to be the head of the church. Who was the logical person to be the head of the church? Well, yeah, it had to be Alma. Yes. King Mosiah made it a matter of prayer, and after receiving revelation from the Lord, Mosiah ordained Alma as the new high priest over all of the church. And he gave Alma total responsibility to take care of all the affairs of the church. Mm -hmm. Alma accepted this assignment, and he began to look at the church and listen to all the complaining that was going on, all the sinning that was going on, and he decided to gather all of those who were sinning and all of those who were willing to testify against them. He brought them all together in a huge courtroom Mm -hmm. and said, King Mosiah, I'm bringing all these people before you so that you can make judgment against these people and punish them for their sins. Yeah. King Uh, Mosiah said... That's not my job. (laughs) said, that's not my job. You're going to have to do that. I've given you authority over the church. These are not crimes that these people have committed. These are sins that they're involved in. That's not government responsibility. That's church responsibility. And so the answer that Alma thought he had of solving all of these problems, all of a sudden came back and he realized he had responsibility for making those decisions. We talk about John Locke as being the father of separation of church and state. He came up with those ideas late in the 1600s. Maybe that phrase. But long before that, this was a practice in establishing separation of church and state. King Mosiah was in charge of the state. Alma was in charge of the church. 
Alma then was desperate to know, what do I do? And so he got on his knees and he began to pray to Heavenly Father for direction. And in a marvelous revelation, God told Alma what he should do. These are the words that God said to him. This is in Mosiah 26. Go, and whosoever transgresseth against me, him shall ye judge according to the sins which he has committed. And if he confess his sins before thee and me, and repenteth in the sincerity of his heart, him shall ye forgive, and I will forgive him also. Now I say unto you, Go, and whosoever will not repent of his sins, the same shall not be numbered among my people. Alma now had the authority, as the high priest, to either forgive those people who would repent and say, you're forgiven, you're part of the people again, right? or to say, you are going to be excommunicated. And they probably were okay with that, because <laughs> they were the ones who refused to repent. It's in verse 36, it says, And those who would not confess their sins and repent of their iniquity, the same were not numbered among the people of the church, and their names were blotted out. Before, when the king was in charge, he had complete authority to do punishment for whatever was necessary. But God instructed Alma that he now had authority, and the worst punishment he could mete out was excommunication. That's like the church is today. We yeah. don't punish members of the church for no uh, their sins. <laughs> we don't take them out and whip them. <laughs> the worst punishment the church has is excommunication, and that was the same at that point. Mm -hmm. It was a beautiful system of separation of church and state. It's a little bit like even today within the church, and I guess it's not quite church and state, but different leaders in the church will have their responsibilities, and sometimes something will happen within the young women, and they'll come to the bishop and say, hey, what do we do about this? And the bishop sometimes will turn to them and say, that's your call. And I think Mosiah recognized, well, I've separated this. This is your responsibility. Alma was kind of like, you decide. But he was like, no, this is your responsibility. You get to decide what happens to, to those people. This is really an interesting experience in separation and in unity. Mm -hmm. As far as the government was concerned, they needed to separate the decisions of the government and the decisions of the church. But as far as the people were concerned, they wanted them to be unified. Yeah. They were not Mulekites. They were not Almamites. <laughs> yeah. They were Limites. not Limhites. They were all Nephites, and they needed to be unified. Yeah, and really, they were all, they should have all been Christians. You're absolutely right. You know, I remember years ago when I was called as a Sunday school teacher for a youth group in our ward. At the time, there was a Spanish branch meeting in the same building. Our state presidency decided to assign the Spanish-speaking youth, as well as the English-speaking youth, to come to my class each Sunday. I say Spanish-speaking. These kids could speak English as well as they could speak Spanish. They were just from the Spanish branch. Mm -hmm. In total, we had about 20 youth attending class each Sunday. When they first started coming to my class, as you might expect, they sat separately with the Spanish-speaking kids sitting together on one side of the classroom and all the English-speaking youth sitting together on the other side of the room. I was concerned. Yeah. I wondered how I could encourage the two sides to blend and mix and become united. I didn't know whether that was something I could enforce or if I should just give them some time. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, on a particular Sunday... 
one of the English-speaking young men came to class early. Instead of sitting in his regular spot, he sat right in the middle of where the Spanish-speaking kids usually sat. When they arrived, the Spanish-speaking kids looked confused and wondered where they should sit. Someone was already sitting in their designated seating area. As all the young students arrived, they began sitting randomly around the classroom. That was a landmark day. From then on, gradually, of course, the kids began to mix. Eventually, there was not a Spanish-speaking side or an English-speaking side. They blended. Mm -hmm. And this just wasn't a physical blending. It was an emotional and spiritual blending. They grew to love each other, not because of their skin color or cultural background, but for who they were individually. Yeah. And I think it's natural for us to kind of group together with those that we have similar uh, thoughts or similar looks or similar, you know, things. To. But we also know that the natural man is an enemy to God, and we should fight that temptation to only want to be around those who are similar to us and try to see each other all as children of God and embrace those around us, brothers and sisters, children of God. That's right. This is what Alma desired for his people. That is what the Savior meant when he said to his disciples, Be one, as I and my Father are one. There are many new members of the church who, once they are baptized into the church, are rejected by their families. It is our responsibility and privilege to accept those newcomers as our brothers and our sisters, no longer as strangers or foreigners, but fellow members with the saints of God. Thanks so much for listening. Please join us again next time as we discuss the end of the reign of kings and the beginning of a new form of government, the reign of judges. Until then, enjoy your reading. <music>